This week's episode of Merge Conflict is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun is everything that developers need for crash reporting to detect and diagnose software errors. No matter what application you're building, Xamarin, Android, iOS, JavaScript, web, ASP.NET, you name it, they support it. With a single line of code, it will automatically pick up uncaught exceptions, and you can even track your own user data or anything that you want. It's amazing. It integrates into everything you love, like Slack, GitHub, and Zendesk. Find out more and get your free 30-day trial at raygun.com slash mergeconflict. Frank, there comes a time in every device's life that it's just not going to get an update or an app because it's just too old. Oh, you're talking about the iPhone 4, aren't you? Yeah, or about like half <laughs> the of the iPad One. <laughs> iPad One, iPad Two, even for that that fact, or half of the Android devices that are on the ma- are on the market at this point. Yeah. Oh, is it that many? I, you know, I was I was recently doing some Android development, and I I went to the Android portal where you can see the distribution of the operating systems and I, mm-hmm. basically the devices, right? Because everyone's running the latest OS they can get. And uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that the like super old Androids are finally going away, like the 4.0s, the four four points. Like it seems like at least people are up to five. <laughs> Slowly but surely, I think that there is still a stronghold on Android 4.4. KitKat because it was just so prevalent in the market but you know that's just the life and times of an Android operating system it just Mm -hmm. it just keeps on lingering yeah so as a software developer though um, there are challenges to supporting that thing right and like you don't support three three dot but you'd still try to support four dot Um, well it depends you know when I when I approach mobile operating uh, applications like mobile applications in general when I do file new I guess when I do file new that's when it really when I make the decision and I can kind of talk about updating older applications at the mm-hmm. same time but when I look at file new I take a look at well what is my application going to do like do I need specific APIs that are in newer operating systems do I want to worry about backwards compatibility with app compat mm-hmm. or you know where does my segment of the market exist? Is it going to be more techie users? Because then they probably have newer devices. Mm-hmm. And is 80% of the market or 70% of the market good enough for me? That's kind of what I look at, at least on yeah. Android. But iOS is completely different. And I'm sure you approach it completely different too. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like we're repeating ourselves a little here. But I think I, I, if I'm doing file new project, as in it's a new app, pretty much what I always do is go one operating system back on iOS. So we're at iOS 10 right now. So I would probably target for iOS 9 and try to take advantage of features in iOS 10. If the app required something in iOS 10, I would go straight to the newest version. I think you can get away with that with new apps. Um, it's it's like we mentioned, the maintenance apps, the, the ones that have been around for a while, you got to keep updating those and those become harder to decide uh, where to set that cutoff. But for file new project, yeah, iOS is kind of nice. <laughs> People upgrade so you can get away with that. Yeah, I think if you are working on a legacy application too, like I, I remember I originally wrote my media center to support Gingerbread, which is Android two point three, which at mm-hmm. this point is one percent of the market, like API <laughs> seven or ten. I think I supported. Yeah. Now with that application, I did tons of custom work, custom toolbar work, custom app compat stuff just to make it work for me. Like I did have this whole Mm -hmm. framework before app compat was even out to apply material or hollow concepts and card based concepts to this application. So for that application, it's actually easier to leave it 
leave the old support to be honest yeah. with you yeah i understand <laughs> and yeah well, when you spend that much time building a custom ui that's kind of the curse of the custom ui is um well a there are a lot of work you got to hire designers you got to put a lot of effort into it but then on the flip side is as the operating system matures as things move on you either got to update your custom design or well like you said just leave it <laughs> just leave it and then just make sure that it works on the latest operating yeah. systems and like don't even if you don't need to, like a big thing on android currently is on 6.0 they um, changed around how you do permissions and if you target version 23 and above you have to implement new permissions and go through this rigmarole oh. so if you don't target 23 then you don't have to so not a big deal <laughs> uh, so again if you don't need to don't yeah. break it now. I do in all my applications personally because I I like having those shiny, you know, yeah. um, pop-ups and not thought, having it in the App Store. I thought Android had that fixed with the support libraries, so you're just not in love with the support libraries. Well, of course I use the support libraries and I use my permissions plugin to handle everything for me, <laughs> but if I'm updating and maintaining an application, why would I go through all of that work when I'm not really yeah. adding new features to it? to you know to add all this new functionality it's not quite worth mm -hmm. my time and energy yeah. if i'm doing a brand new application of course i'm going to do that stuff yeah I, I i ran into this with iCircuit over and over i iCircuit was on uh ios oh my god i'm losing it ios 3 3.2 oh, i think the Are first ipad version yeah oh, serious yeah and this is like pre-collection view so like doing thumbnails that was like all a custom renderer and everything and that code was is <laughs> is because i'm still using it pretty big and pretty complex and i haven't switched it all over to like collection view and that stuff but you know the fact of the matter is if it works well if it still feels good then a difference that makes no difference to the user you know is that really a difference is it really worth my time like if i just feel better that i'm using newer apis or something it seems like more of a personal thing yeah. And I think that's the thing is, yeah, you literally have iCircuit, which if it's just iOS 3, that's what, five years old, six years old now? 2010. Older. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, at this point, you just need to make sure that, you know, APIs aren't deprecated. So you, it's actually oh, still yeah. performing correctly, basically. Is that about all you oh, do? The, the code base over the years has just turned into a glob of if statements checking for <laughs> versions uh, because all sorts of new libraries would come in and I would want to use them. But in my mind, like, I just hated the idea of dropping off a user base. Like, what about the people mm. that don't want to upgrade from 3.2? So, you know, I, I moved up between 3.2 and 4 and 5 pretty quickly, but I always kept my compatibility back at 3.2. At some point, I think the iPad 1 got stuck at iOS 5. Mm-hmm. Is it five or six? Well, the 3GS, I think, is at six. Uh, I'm getting all confused now, but whatever. They're pretty old. And it was a hard decision at some point where I decided to drop the support for basically five. And I think I dropped support for even six because there were just devices out there that could only run that OS. And I wanted to keep providing updates to people. You know, like if I improve the app, I want them to get the improvements. Yeah, it's a it's a hard it's a hard, you know, if, if it's your business, I guess, I think that you run into this a lot in the enterprise where you have to support a specific version. I remember mm. uh, working with some developers that they're like, you know, we can't jump to iOS seven or eight or nine and we have to we have a machine. We have a machine, <laughs> this magical Mac that's running a magical version of Xcode that's running, a oh. magic, you know, 
I see you, uh, build servers. These people build need servers. some cloud CI. What's going on? Well, the problem is, is at some point you can't even install or find the latest X or the older X codes or you've <laughs> exactly. upgraded your Mac OS, you know, devices. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I remember uh, when Xamarin Mac, so the library I used to write Mac apps, uh, they dropped support for Snow Leopard. And their argument was justified in that Xcode has no file new project or anything for Snow Leopard. And that was true and everything, but Snow Leopard was kind of like iOS 6 in that there was still this huge number of people, Mac users, still on Snow Leopard. Uh, this is like a couple years ago, but even then it was pretty old. And, you know, I showed grass and grass. I'm like, look, something like 20% of all Mac users are still on Snow Leopard. Please make this thing still work on Snow Leopard. And they're all like, Frank, no, move on. <laughs> It was tough. I didn't like it. Yeah, well, I mean, and even still Xcode at some point, right? So I think if you boot up Xcode today, the latest, so 8.2, I think. Uh, don't ask me. Something like it's that? Sure. I, I don't even think that you can deploy and support further back than iOS 7, maybe iOS 8. I think it might be even be eight. Yeah, they're, they're pretty aggressive in Xcode, what they'll support with the newest version of Xcode. Now, I like mean, you said, Apple you can... for supporting it, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> but like you said, you, you could technically keep old versions of Xcode around, and people do that. I know a lot mm -hmm. of um, professional Mac developers who, by necessity, they're not going to drop support for Snow Leopard, no matter what. So they'll have a virtual machine with Xcode installed on it, with all updates turned off, <laughs> mm -hmm. and just you know use that machine. And uh, that's basically your only option. If and, you're yeah. serious about long-term support, you kind of have to start building up these archives because and, yeah. you can't rely on the vendor. And that's what I've been talking about with like that enterprise developer that I worked with. They literally had a Mac that sat there and it was running very specific version of Mac OS, a very specific version of Xcode. And they're like, this is where our, you know, very specific version of Xamarin Studio. And they're like, this, mm -hmm. we know that this works today. Now, if you want to support all those older devices, you, you kind of lose a few things, right? We're talking about code complexity, like your application has all these if yep. statements, mm -hmm. mine do too. Then we're also talking about um, just device hardware, you know, setup uh, performance. And, let's be clear. Like, uh, yeah, an app like iCircuit burns the CPU, <laughs> so mm -hmm. it runs so much better on newer devices. And so keeping it running fast on the older devices, you know, you want to keep adding more to the app, more features, all that stuff, which results in it just getting slower and slower on those old devices. And at the same time, if you don't get updates to Xamarin Studio or Xcode. You're not getting the latest that Xamarin iOS and Mono have to offer. Very so true. there's like yeah. this this uh, cascading effect, right? Because we have new HTTP stacks, we have new GC updates, we have like all this. I say we, I mean, oh, just yeah, team, right? You know, to oh, think just, about. I, I think there's just a performance team at Xamarin. As far as I know, they're just always making sure it gets a little bit faster on each mm -hmm. release. Yeah. So it's, it's like things to think about because for Android, don't really have to think about that this too much, to be honest with you, because it's just a config thing. I mean, if you can compile always against the latest and go as far back as you want, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, um, which is kind of nice, actually. But as you start compiling and targeting these newer versions, you got to make sure code is compliant and things like that. Yeah. So. I think on Android, because it's so slow to upgrade, it's actually not that hard to support. Like, oh, I need to support Jelly Bean 16, which is probably at this yeah. point five years old. And <laughs> I think on iOS, it's a support I, uh, iOS 5 would be quite difficult at this point. 
Oh, yeah, it's pretty much impossible. That's why I had to give up on it. It, w- it was just too much work. But yeah, I uh, made the big it, jump. I made the big jump when iOS 7 came out, right? Because mm. those were the paradigm shifts. And we've had those paradigm shifts in Android, but we get AppCompat and iOS. <laughs> the paradigm shift to happen for skeuomorphism versus flat design, which has stayed with us, thank goodness, for the last <laughs> four OSs. But I, I feel as though something is coming on the horizon. I hope not, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, things have to change. That's, that's a required law of nature. Things yeah. change, yeah. yeah. It reminds me, though, um, when I was traveling, I was uh, in Russia, and there were, uh, one of the most common things I heard from iOS users was, I upgraded to the latest version of iOS, iOS 10, and now my phone is really slow, and the apps on my phone are really slow. Mm. Uh, you're an app developer. Please fix my phone. <laughs> and I stare at him, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, there is literally nothing I can do. But it did make me think a lot about um, testing on old devices. Uh, like, this would be, I think this was like a 4 or 4S or something. And he had an app that he relied on every day, a mapping app. And the stupid thing took like a minute or two to load, literally, like just sitting there a minute or two, and then it would come up. It's like, I would, like, that app should drop support for that phone or get its game together. So I think there's a reason to drop support and just say, like, I'm sorry, it just doesn't run well on that hardware. Well, I think yeah, you had that thing with continuous, correct, where you have had to make a decision on hardware because some developers don't realize this. When you're compiling against ARM v7, ARM v7s, ARM v7 64-bit mm. <laughs> or whatever the options are, you're making a decision, correct? Yeah, you're basically choosing what hardware it's going to run on. So ARM 7 is uh, the old classic iPhone hardware. It was just a little weird because it didn't allow you to do uh, division, integer division on it. So they invented the ARM 7S, which made everything so much faster because it turns out we like to divide numbers. <laughs> and so, but the 7 uh, 7 s i believe was the 3gs uh, I, i'm forgetting now again but it was a later model so if you don't support seven you lose out on a lot of hardware mm-hmm. and so when i ship apps these days i i, I kind of even want to drop support for seven so um in continuous i actively decided to just go for arm 64 which mm-hmm. really put it in the class of newer devices and i felt really bad for people with iPads that weren't really that old, to be thoroughly honest, you know, they just weren't 64-bit. But the fact was, I had done all my testing on 64-bit hardware. I worked really hard to get it to run smoothly on that hardware. And I just, I literally did not have any hardware to test it on any 32-bit hardware. So I didn't want the app to be running poorly. I didn't, I wanted it to be fast for everyone. Yeah, I mean, that's how I kind of look at Android sometimes too, as I go, you know, I have only so many Android devices sitting around my office and I've only tested it on XYZ. I'm not going to go find, I don't even know where to find a device unless it's in the (laughs) test cloud to go put it on a gingerbread device and I'm not going to support it. And on Android, there's just so many operating systems. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I literally, I can't do it, you know, and this is what I support. And what I try to look at is, Hey, does my Android dashboard, like I don't add any analytics, you can, I add analytics to my application, but with Android, uh, you don't have to, the dashboard will tell you what you're Uh, actually using, your mm -hmm. users are using. So if I go to my Android dashboard, so if I go to play.google.com slash app slash publish, I'm booting it up right now. And Mm -hmm. if I look at scoreboard, 
um, which is my scoreboard application, um, and I look at bup, 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 statistics, I can see in the last 30 days, let's do a year, I can tell that 50% of my my users are using Android 6, 16% are using 7, and there's 1%, 1%, 1%, 2% using 4.3, 4.2, and 4.4. <laughs> so it's, it's going away. I'm happy. <laughs> it's going away. Now, they also have the all apps. Like, how does your app compare to the, the other apps in the App Store? And you can tell that my app has higher usage of the newer versions of Android compared <laughs> to the other ones. But, you know, it's still kind of good to see, like, validation in your mind. Like, oh... I can literally see that 1% of my users, which is not a lot of my users, are using XYZ. So I could probably drop support. So I'm doing, I'm doing it you know, mathematically of dropping support. And that's kind of a good way to look at it if you're looking at an app. Because let's say you were um, you know, going to drop support. And you're like, li- literally 0.01% of my users are not going to get this mm-hmm. update anymore. That may be okay because who knows if they're even using your app anymore. Um, but what is your risk, right? By supporting that older operating system is kind of what I try to factor into that equation. So like on iOS, I go, listen, what's the current version? Minus one, that's what you get. And the next app update, like as soon as iOS 11 comes out, I'll probably support iOS nine for a little bit longer. But honestly, most users have already upgraded to iOS 10. So I'm like, all right, fine. It's it's time to go to 11 and 10. Like I give it three months. That's kind of my buffer. Yeah, that, that's the only reason I've been wanting to put better analytics into my apps. Apple gives you um, breakdown by device class. But mm. as far as I can tell, I've never been able to get versions out of them. Maybe I'm wrong. Please write into the program if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's exactly the information I just want to know. Like, uh, yeah, who can I drop? Basically, who can I drop? <laughs> it's kind of terrible to say, but we're all friends here, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about mobile development because that's our bread and butter. Like that's what we do a lot on, but I've been really getting into like our last few episodes, we were talking about desktop development and I'm just starting to enter that world again. I used to write tons of desktop applications when I worked at Canon and then things like that beforehand, but there's a whole other, you know, things of concepts you need to worry about, but (laughs) that I want to talk about. I think I want to take a break though, because we've been going off about mobile for a little bit and we have a brand new sponsor, Frank. I am so excited that I, I need to tell everyone about before we kind of continue on in this in this, uh, in this uh, spectrum of talking about backwards compatibility, because <laughs> we're talking about performance, we're talking about devices, and uh, I'm really in love with this new sponsor, and I'm so, so happy that they, they signed on to sponsor the show, because I use them personally in a lot of my projects, those backwards compatibility uh, ones that I've worried about, they've been on the uh, way too, and they have great performance, great everything like that. They're called, it's a company called Syncfusion. Syncfusion. Uh, Syncfusion. Uh, Syncfusion's amazing. They've been around for, I've, I've known of Syncfusion for the last, you know, 15 years or whatever. However, I've been 10 years in development. I've, I've known about their charts and graphs and controls and everything that they've done as an amazing builder and creator and distributor of these amazing controls for basically every platform that you can think of. When you go to syncfusion.com, you'll just see every single thing, ASP.net, um, Silverlight, WinForms, WPF, UWP, Xamarin, JavaScript, WinRT, WinPhone. I mean, you name it, like they basically support that platform. And they have, um, they really want to talk about what's new, what I've been using personally, which is called Essential Studio for Xamarin. It's Xamarin and Xamarin Forms. So essentially they have the, the largest set of tools for Xamarin on the market. They build all of their components to be designed for each platform. So you're using iOS, you get iOS, beautiful look and feel, Android and Windows, and they're built for the best possible performance. This is enterprise grade 
I mean, right out there, enterprise and consumer grade controls. Essential Studio for Xamarin, I personally use this, 90 plus controls, including grids, charts, calendars, a Kanban control, um, a schedule manager. I mean, you you name it, they essentially have it. I, I use the charts and graphs myself, but they also do more than chart the controls. They do things like read and write and display Excel documents, Word, PDF. I cannot tell you how many times developers will say, how do I display a PDF? And I say, mm-hmm. use the Syncfusion PDF control. It is astonishing. Now, here's what's really cool about Syncfusion is that they actually have a free personal and community license. If you go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict, you can learn out more. They have a enterprise kind of global pricing for theirs, but there's no credit card needed to get started to, to claim your free personal license to Syncfusion, Essential Studio for Xamarin, and check out the community edition if you're doing open source work. It's amazing. I love it. Go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict um, to learn more and, of course, to support the show. And we cannot thank Syncfusion enough for being a sponsor of Merge Conflict. Thank you, Syncfusion. Yeah. You know, oh. I was thinking, uh, I don't know, maybe this happens to you, but sometimes I get bored and I just browse these uh, control vendor websites and I just look at all their controls and I get a little jealous and I'm like, <laughs> oh, look, they're all pre-made, all that code written for me. It's all done. Maybe using all these. <laughs> it's all done. I mean, yeah, I mean, and think about it. I mean, for me, if you're making custom controls, it actually fits really nice into our backwards compatibility because as these operating systems and APIs change, you may have the most beautiful custom control that you've ever built. And then a new version of iOS mm-hmm. comes out and they're like, oh, you know, that API is deprecated. And you're like, oh, yeah. I got to go rebuild yeah. that. Every time you write a custom control, you have to think, am I willing to rewrite this control in four years when, you know, the operating system changes? If, yeah. if you don't plan on supporting the app for four years, then, you know, who cares? But who cares? if you want it to be an actual, you know, product, then it you got to think it through. Yeah. Now, you talked a little bit about Mac OS development, and we've had a whole episode on Mac OS development. Yeah. But one thing that I thought was interesting, and I would love for you to explain yourself, Frank, is I just today <laughs> went to Calca.io, oh, and we were, ta- we were talking numbers, and I downloaded Calca for the fourth time, gave you. you money. Thank you, sir. Which It's a great application. But I noticed on the website, which is why this topic came up, by the way, mm-hmm. is I can download Calca for Windows XP. Why and what right. the heck? Yeah, yeah. That was a weird decision. No, I am fully justified in my decision. So I can't wait to explain this to you. Turns out the enterprise world was uh, a little slow to upgrade their Windows machines. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, well, there's basically two obstacles in the enterprise world. One is they're generally running older operating systems, maybe not as bad as XP, but they're probably on... um, Seven, maybe. the one after? (laughs) I don't even know. Um, (laughs) We went seven, seven, eight, ten. Is that the order? (laughs) Seven, eight, eight, one, ten, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So I think a lot of them are on Windows 7 now. But the fact of the matter is they're not on Windows 10. And they're not running like the newest uh, user interface libraries. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to support an old operating system. Specifically, I wanted to support some people I had in mind at a big company who were still on XP machines and who were still under an authoritarian IT regime that wouldn't allow them to install apps, you know, (laughs) if they required permissions and that kind of stuff. And so I designed the app and two ways one requ- not requiring an installer and two of supporting ridiculously old operating systems and while i'm very proud of myself for that i feel like i should get a humanitarian award or something like that in retrospect i wish i had just written it for uh modern windows because 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. One is the old APIs are terrible. And the second is that a modern app can be sold through Microsoft stores. So then I don't have to deal with selling it. You know what you could do is you could uh, use Project Centennial to wrap your Win32 application in a UWP app. It's is a command that line. possible? That yeah, they allow that? It's brand new. It's a new hotness. It's the new hotness. Uh, when I think about it, yeah. Uh, so who here's what's yeah, uh, no, <laughs> it's Microsoft. Ah, I don't know. Do I trust them? <laughs> Do I trust Microsoft? Hmm. <laughs> Sometimes, not always. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, to be honest, though, that's kind of a good thing to think about. If you have this old legacy thing, what yeah. Microsoft did is they created this thing called Project Centennial. You could take a WPF app or a Win32 desktop app so, or even something like Photoshop and you wrap it in this container and it allows uh-huh. you to access you a, a subset or essentially light up your application in win 30 or in uwp mm-hmm. apis so if you want like toast notifications or a splash screen or something like right. that it ties in directly but it does sandbox your application though that's something to think oh, about. oh yeah hmm. i mean i deal but with be interesting on the mac and everything but i don't think the sandboxing in the windows world is quite as clean um yeah yeah uh, so if you, Kelka is an app that's just a text editor, and so you're constantly opening and closing files from random locations on the computer. Uh, it could work there as long as the sandbox is decent. And gives yeah, I would try it. I would, yeah. I would try it because I think you're, as long as you're not accessing the registry, you're probably okay, but there is, <laughs> yeah. well, here's what they do is if you go into the sandbox mode, they create your own virtual registry for your ac- application. So, oh, they I, I like this. I, I think Microsoft <laughs> kind of lost the backwards compatibility religion a little bit there. And I think that's kind of what we always relied on Windows for was like even these ancient old DOS things would still work on it. And during the whole uh, WPF, UWP switchover, we just kind of lost. I mean, they, they just said, oh, you have a Win32 app, you know, good luck. Have fun. Keep keep doing what you're doing. And they just yeah. kind of threw us under the whatever through us <laughs> and so I, I like to see them uh working on this yeah and i think for me for desktop and for matt well even for mobile you know we, i think we for me at least i've been spoiled by mobile right i mm-hmm. have a huge distribution network where i don't have to do any hard work um you know i don't have to worry about collecting credit cards <laughs> yeah. i don't have to worry about setting up a website yeah i don't have to worry about app updates it's all handled for me automatically. Sing it, sister. <laughs> yeah. So good. I mean, we're talking about the Mac OS where you have to install Sparkle and do all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. I just want it to be done for me. So like, for, even for me, I for when I do file new for Windows applications, like for the Evolve app, I go, you know what? I could I could support Win or Windows 8.1 and Windows 10 and this other stuff and you know, 8 even, mm-hmm. all this back compat. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't do it. I just don't have the time. I'm sorry. Just like Windows 10 or bust. You know, that's all I can do. Sorry. Yeah. When I've, when I've thought about rerunning Kelka, even then I wasn't going all the way up to UWP. I thought maybe I'd go to WPF first because WPF at least gives you Windows 7. It'll run everything there. UWP, mm-hmm. as far as I understand, requires Windows 10. Is that right? Yeah. Windows 10. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. So if you want to stay safe in the Windows world, WPF is still kind of nice. So uh, it'd still be a debate for me. But the truth is, if I were to actually put the effort into updating the user interface, I'd probably just jump straight into the present and just ignore the past. Because while it's a lot of fun to support the past, and like I said, I still think we should hand out awards for it. I don't think it makes a million percent business sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and, and how do you, so we kind of talked about the backwards compatibility part of it, but how do you kind of future-proof for forward <laughs> forward versions? Because we know that yeah. iOS 11 is coming out. Like, how do you make sure when you're writing code or when it actually comes out in beta, like, how do you prepare for that? Like, you do this you for know, a living. It's your business. Yeah. You know, we this could, is, you know, how you do, do it. So I'm curious. Episode. We could do a whole episode on this because this is, this is almost a religious thing for me at this point where... I'll actually read the documentation for an API and I will only do what the documentation says that API should do. I do my very best not to override any built-in stuff. I just go with how the operating says uh, to compose an app together. And I try to follow all the native rules as best I can. And my hope there, not even hope, I've seen this play out over time, is that if you follow the rules of the OS, then as the OS upgrades, your app naturally upgrades itself because it's just using the built-in libraries. And so the best way to future-proof yourself, in my experience, has been to just not override anything. Like, just if the operating system doesn't act a way that you think it should, then guess what? Deal with it. Move on. Um, you know, don't don't force iOS to act like an Android. Don't force Windows to act like iOS. Uh, you just kind of got to give in to the operating system. And by doing that, that um, when the operating system does update, maybe your hacky little override that seemed clever at the time uh, might break. And so avoiding those at all costs is kind of my religion. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. But it's not perfect. I mean, (laughs) like uh, Kelka uses a rich text editor on Win32. The rich text editor is good, but it doesn't do everything Kelka needs to do. So Kelka for sure digs down into Windows internals and does every Win32 trick I learned as a kid (laughs) to to do its little tricks. Um, You know, sometimes you have to do that, but it's a known cost. I know for a fact when I'm writing that code that this is going to be a maintenance well, Win32 hasn't changed in 20 years, so that's not really an issue. But, <laughs> but <you never laughs> if I'm know. doing this on something more modern, yeah. <laughs> never, never know, I swear. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there could be a new version of, of Windows 10, some random update, and like everything breaks. I remember <laughs> even Hanselman was like, oh, he just bought this new Logitech webcam. And like on the preview version of Windows, like internal builds, he's like, and eh, this doesn't work at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh. Because Windows yeah. broke the driver. When Windows breaks the driver or breaks some API low level, you know, yeah. who knows? But I think about this app that I was writing. Um, I never actually released it, but I was working on it in the iOS 6 time frame. And I was very excited because I had done pretty much a fully themed custom UI. I was still using all the native controls, but I took over the rendering and was doing it the way I thought. And I thought a very modern, minimalistic style. I was very happy with it. And it took a lot of work. And I was, I was almost more proud of the UI than of the app itself, but whatever. And then iOS 7 came out and was basically exactly everything I had done. I mean, the industry itself was moving towards this cleaner, more modern style. Mm-hmm. But then iOS 7 basically made all my work defunct. It just wasn't needed. So the process after that was tearing out all of that code because once all that code was gone, it looked the same. It looked nice and modern and everything. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm just really... I, I don't like to customize the native UI as little as possible. But then when we're talking about something like Xamarin Forms, then that's a custom UI. And yeah, you should go hog wild and make it look pretty. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
Oh my goodness. It's so interesting to think about too, because you know, when I, when I go and try to update some apps and I'm like, okay, I have to make this decision of, all right, do I drop this API that I'm using? It's like, sometimes it's like, do I, you know, do I want to still support that older API? And then do I have to, let's say you're writing an application for that does audio processing. You know, you have an application like that. I think on the app store too is Apple's changing these APIs all the time. So as new versions mm-hmm. are coming out, like you said, there's some pretty new toys in iOS 11 or 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they start deprecating the older versions of the application. Oh, yeah. You got to kind of worry about like, well, are they deprecated it, but how long will it actually be in, <laughs> yeah. in there? You're not bundling the APIs. Playing the odds game. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, When um, Mac first made its switch to Coco, the new rendering framework for writing user interfaces and everything that they got, got from Next Step, they still supported the old system for quite a while. And I think they still support it to this day. Like, So they've been deprecated, but they've been deprecated for 10 or 15 years. And so in that case, you could have played the odds game and just kept using the old stuff. Yeah, it's just that you don't know. It could disappear any time. And then you're using old versions of Xcode and we're back to that version. Yeah. Well, talking about that too, because we talked about it a little bit, we hinted at it is, you know, I am always, I always like the newest IDEs, like the new, mm-hmm. uh, the new operating systems. Like, so today um, or this week, you know, well, the previous week, I guess on, on March 7th, for instance, dating the show. Cause we like to date shows <laughs> um, on occasion, visual studio 2017 came out and uh, I am going to be removing 2015 from my machine. I'm going to be ah. installing 2017. It is going to become my main development machine. I'm no longer going to open 2015 up, but this comes with some caveats. I don't think I can support older versions of um, mm. Windows Phone and Oop. Windows 8.1. I think yeah. that they are removed. Yeah. Ooh. So uh, I, I actually have some curious thoughts here. I think I did some research here. Uh, in one of my jobs, though, I um, still maintain an app that has to maintain Windows XP compatibility written in C++, MFC, awesome stuff. And I still build it with Visual Studio 2015. Because like you, I just want to use the newest IDE. There's it, it it should just work. And so Microsoft has been awesome in that you could always go to the properties and switch your project settings to say, please give me all the newest stuff, but somehow magically make this Windows XP compatible. There's literally like a Windows XP checkbox and say, yes, make this work on XP, even XP. And uh, it's great. It'll still build and compile all the way down for that while you're still mm-hmm. using the newest IDE, the newest version of C++, all that good stuff. That said, <laughs> um, I don't know how long that's going to go on for. Like, will 2017 still have that support? I got to look into it. I am looking currently at the Visual Studio 2017 compatibility <laughs> layer. And they Ooh. tell you, they tell you if you're using um, tools for native and managed classic Windows desktop, yeah. or if you're using tools for UWP app development, what it will support. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, you are in good luck. Wow. Because Windows XP is is yes supported. Managed development <laughs> requires Visual Studio.net multi-targeting. People, even Microsoft won't let it go. There's so many people out there still using XP. You have to support this puppy. Yeah. So thank say, you, though, Microsoft, for that. I really appreciate it because I love new IDEs. <laughs> I will say though, using mm-hmm. tools for both mm-hmm. for, for Windows Phone 8.1 and earlier, no longer supported. Gone. It's officially yeah. dead. 
I don't think it had the same market penetration as Windows XP. Uh, I don't believe so. No, it did not. <laughs> we, we should look that one up. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is not. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm going to put this in the show notes because this is a great, um, this is yeah, a great article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's super good. So you will know. And, and I think that's what I think about is because at this point now, literally, you better create a VM. You better have something like that, which, which has wow, your development yeah. inf- environment on, on it and, you know, prepare that, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about to drop support for everything. I've said it for a long time, even with my libraries. <laughs> I am dropping support for Windows Phone 8.1 and Store 8.1 yeah. as soon as 2017 comes out because I just don't want to have to manage it and deal with it. I'm just sorry, UWP. And at this point, if Microsoft drops supports for it, then I can say <laughs> I drop support for it. Yeah. That's what I think. It's a pretty good excuse, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and we can always fall back with the Xcode excuse also. If there's no f- file new project for this, well, obviously, Apple doesn't want you writing apps for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you. Sounds good. Um, especially, I, I think Microsoft wants you writing UWP apps. I don't think they want people writing WPF apps or anything no. like that. Yeah, no. so you, you got to go with the direction. Unfortunately, we are all slaves to the master. And the master <laughs> says, this is the new future. Embrace it or be left behind. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so much to think about in general, but uh, I think hopefully we provided some guidance towards... Uh, towards uh, the correct Did operating we? systems to pick. I, uh, I was worried yeah. that we were just going to complain the whole time, but hope, hopefully we were so. positive and provided well, some insights. <laughs> well, I think the nice thing is that both the, all three, all three vendors, they give you ways of doing it if you need to. So if you need to, it's not impossible, mm-hmm. you know, just in this instance, you don't get to use visual studio 2017, <laughs> we, you know, whatever. That's fine. That is, it's your choice to support the older operating systems. You don't get the new fancy features. That's fine. That happens. Whatever. Um, but but I, one more, one more shout out to Microsoft. Even when I was doing Calca, they do have a fancy thing in uh, the editor where you can use the newest version of the language, but still compile down to older versions of the frameworks and things like that. So that's very clever and very awesome. So while you may not get the newest IDE, uh, at least you can still use the latest features of the language. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yeah. 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 Which is very super duper nice. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. Anything else you want to add on there, Frank? Boy, boy. I'm just I don't mean it when I say I I want a medal. (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) But I wish um, it's tough because part of me says I shouldn't have spent so much time worrying about backwards compatibility. But then another part of me is just so happy that the app runs for a lot of people. So it's a tough one. It really is tough. Yeah, that's it. It's hard. It's good. It's good reflecting upon. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just say drop, drop support. Is that a downer? Did I just end this on a downer? No. Make it an upper. What do you got? (laughs) Well, there's some brand new news that you can head over to mergeconflict.fm. We have a new store. Have you seen this? Have you heard this? Yes, I have. I'm very excited. Yes. Please tell them. We have a new shop on the top right of the page. You'll see episodes, hosts, sponsor, shop. If you want to sponsor Merge Conflict, you can head over there too. Um, On the shop, though, you can buy some new fancy merge conflict stickers we have yeah. talked about them forever <laughs> they were designed by our good friends over at cinder design co uh and uh there's two designs frank and i both picked a design and we got plenty of prototypes made so we spent a bunch of money <laughs> on <were> prototypes <laughs> yeah and we wanted to make sure that they were perfect for you our listeners so there is a cool fancy crazy little design and then there's a circle sticker which i'm a big fan of and they're both around like two to two and a half inches or so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can treat yourself or someone else. Now, the the price to start off, you're not only just buying a sticker, but you're supporting the show. That's the thing is, is that it's they're a little bit be like, oh, five dollars for a sticker that may seem expensive. Mm-hmm. But if you buy a sticker pack like a five, you actually get a big reduced um, um, cost off of that, too, which is really nice. But you're also supporting the show um, to make it keep going. You know, it's the listeners like yeah. you that are, you know, tweeting about us, um, you know, going to our sponsors, checking out like Raygun and sync fusion this week. But also if you guys want some stickers, check them out. Um, yeah, go to mergeconflict.fm slash store. That's where it's at. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I wish we could have gotten the price down a little, but we wanted, uh, we wanted to make sure that you were supporting us also, <laughs> not that yeah. we were just at cost. <laughs> so we appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. And they look beautiful. I have them on my laptops already. So I can highly, highly recommend everyone that we, we went through all a bunch of testing. It, it, we did more it beta fun. testing for these stickers than we should have, but we did. <laughs> so. Stickers are very important. We had yeah. to get the, just the right size. Yes, you're going to love them. We know it. Check it out. MergeConflict.fm. I want to thank again Syncfusion and Raygun for being sponsors this week. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.